Yes, yes, it is DJ Ski from Dash Radio, and you are now listening to the number one South Asian radio station in the world. I'm talking about Ruckus Avenue Radio, Dash Radio's exclusive South Asian station. Let's go. I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by the talented actor, writer, and director of the film Definition, Please, Sujata Day. Stay tuned. I'm a true fan of milestones and markers, not the hallmark kind, but the ones that are placeholders for important pivots, watershed events, and soon-to-be great memories. Speaking of watershed events, many thanks to everyone for listening to the show, streaming and subscribing, sharing it with your friends, and following us on social media at Dr. Abhaydarndekar. So it's our 58th episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, but the milestone and marker is that with over a hundred terrific and diverse people that we've hosted from across the global South Asian community, Sujata Day is our first two-time guest, and I'm thrilled to host her at an opportune time. Sujata is an Indian American from Pittsburgh, and more specifically from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. And her style is open, honest, and refreshing. And her personality is truly infectious. She's established herself as a performer, creator, writer, and director as she played Sarah on the HBO series Insecure and Cece on the web series Awkward Black Girl, both created by Issa Rae. As a director, she's proudly telling South Asian American stories through her work, blending authenticity with reverence and reflection. She's a Sundance Lab Fellow and Film Festival influencer, and in 2019 served as an HBO Visionaries Ambassador. Her work reflects a bold, purposeful intent, and after capturing attention for her short film Cowboy and Indian, she directed This Is My Story, a series in which beloved storyteller LeVar Burton narrates real-life personal experiences of everyday racism. For her latest work, Sujatha wrote, produced, directed, and starred in her debut award-winning film, Definition Please, which the New York Times reviewed as being sincere, touching, and impressively nuanced. The film was acquired by Ava DuVernay's Array and just released on Netflix on January 21st. We had chatted over a year ago while Definition Please was going through the festival circuit and were able to catch up recently, so it was a good time to congratulate her on the release, find out how things were generally going, and to flex my extraordinary Bengali skills. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And uh, uh, a warm gamanacho. Gamanacho is the limit of my Bengali. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I thank my my college roommate for that one. Great. Great. Yeah. First off, congrats on everything. What what a what an awesome bit of news. That was so sweet to to read about. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a really exciting time. I'm just excited for it to go out to all audiences so everyone can watch it. And I believe during our film fest, our virtual film festival run, we picked up a lot of fans along the way. So it's been yeah. really great to um, 
have them be excited about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's exciting in in like this weird, like circular way that like, you know, it's grown so much. So, uh, you know, I finally, I I didn't do this the first time that we met by the, by the way, thank you for being on again. You are our first repeat guest, by the way. Oh my gosh. I feel so special. Wow. Thank you for having me. And and maybe I didn't catch this the last time, but I finally, I read your bio and it says, it clearly states you have an infectious personality. I just want to make sure it's not a contagious personality, right? It's not something I have to mask up for or anything. It's not contagious. It's, okay. it's infectious. Good, good. Yes. Right. And, and it- I should probably change that in the era of a pandemic. <laughs> I should probably change that word in my bio. It's time. You, you know, I, I don't know. As, as a pediatrician, I, I do. I appreciate infectious things. But um, but yeah, I'll leave that. I'll leave that decision to you. Congrats, of course, are, are in order. But after this year of definition, please being on the festival circuit. And and now that it's getting distributed by Array and on Netflix and, and so many accolades that have been collected through this. And, you know, as we just mentioned, um, this sort of fan base that's, that's grown how is this kind of marinated or evolved for you? I mean, do you see of it or, th- or, or think of it in, in, in a different way as it's gone through these several rounds now? I think of it exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> the movie has not changed since the first cut was, was loaded up on Vimeo for everyone to watch who was reviewing or journalists. And um, it's the same story. And, and I'm just glad that we stuck to our guns and we went through a virtual festival run. I feel like there were a couple other films that decided to postpone a virtual run because they thought the pandemic would be over, which mm. it is not. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I'm glad we made the decision to do the virtual film festival run, because like you said, we picked up so many fans along the way across the entire country and in Canada. And that has been really amazing to watch because these, uh, the audiences in these regions wouldn't have gotten to see it otherwise. And to have them tweet about it or message me about it has been really amazing. And it makes me, it reiterates why I do what I do. I do it so that people can see themselves on screen so that people are inspired to write their own stories when they see the story that I've written. Well, and for you in sort of this process, and it's been a a long one, it's an arduous one, and you pick up that kind of trust and confidence as you go through with the feedback that you get and how it enriches the people who watch it, has the process helped you develop as a filmmaker that much more? Um, you know, so what's it taught you about maybe risk or strategy or, or even um, patience in, in, in this journey? Definitely taught me to be patient. (laughs) It has been, I believe, a year and a half since August 2020 was our premiere at Bentonville Film Festival. And we have been trucking through the festivals and racking up the reviews and the awards. And with each accolade, I think what's important is to celebrate that 
that accolade and to celebrate that review that you get or that press article or the interview or or the podcast recording or the po- right that's right <laughs> or yeah. the podcast yeah. and so that's been really exciting i'm i'm a big fan of celebrating the small wins so yeah. Getting this so-called big win in terms of getting distributed by Array and Netflix has just been a cherry on the top of a lot of small wins and a lot of hard work going into those small wins as well. For, for you, it is, is the idea of now being able to take those small wins and have that much more um, confidence or, or trust in yourself does it play out now in your future projects? Does it does it actually allow you to take more risks because you've had the currency of of being patient, of of waiting through this um, to get to this point? I've always taken risks in my art. I don't think you can be an artist without taking risks. Mm. So I've always been. Um, I believe one of my acting comedy teachers before has said you know, don't be afraid to fail. And so that's been my mantra pretty much my entire creative life is, is just to get out there, do the thing. Um, I think as South Asian Americans, we are uh, naturally perfectionists and you have to let go of perfection, to be honest, to, to make art. And so Going in a definition, please. Of course, I had a vision of making a 10 million, 10 to 20 million dollar movie on a budget with sound stages and winning Oscars, right? Yeah. yeah. But, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah. But you know, you have to be realistic. You have to adapt to the changes. You know, even on the set of definition, please, we were lose, we would lose a location and we would have to scramble for a new location for the next day. And you just have to stay calm and mm-hmm. make sure that the cast and crew around you don't actually know what's going on and that everything is cool. And, and that's what we did. And we just solved the problem. So I think yeah. my, one of the things that I, I think one of the only things that I remember from my engineering classes in case Western was the first thing walking into my material science engineering class on that first day of freshman year, the teacher wrote on the board engineer equals problem solver. And so I, in my creative field, am a really good problem solver and I don't dwell on, okay, something is wrong or something bad happened. How do we solve that without freaking everyone else out? So then you just go into the work of solving whatever that issue is. And has this past year and a half made you a better problem solver because of the patients involved, because of the idea of of bringing this now, you know, in in some ways kind of trusting the process? Yeah, it's trusting the process. It's trusting everything around you. You can't control a pandemic. You can't control theaters being shut down. Yeah. And so you have to you have to make the best out of the situation that you're given. And and our best was really, you know taking it to these really amazing film festivals and winning awards like the cam fest up in San Francisco, like LA Asian Pacific film festival, like a lot of local amazing film festivals in Pennsylvania where we shot the movie and where I grew up, they've really embraced my film and they're really excited about supporting a Pittsburgh movie. So, so that's been really awesome. You're listening to trust me. I know what I'm doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with filmmaker Sujata Day. Stay tuned. 
I'm Abhay Dandekar, and you're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with filmmaker Sujata Day. I, I wanted to ask you about that. Is there a sentiment, because um, we didn't talk about this last time, but is there a sentiment to Definition Please that just sort of vibrates a little bit louder for you because it's set in not just a, a, a smaller rural or suburban town, but but in your hometown. I mean, does that vibrate a little bit louder for you? Is there is there a difference in some ways um, because of that kind of very, very personal connection? Something that I love in terms of as an audience member watching movies and TV shows is what is this place? Is it is it not New York? Is it not Los Angeles? Oh, this is a cool town that I've never heard of. So so I really wanted to create that feel in definition, please. And what better way than to showcase Greensburg, which is my hometown, which I'm obsessed with. I loved growing up there and the community actually really came together to make the film happen. We, we filmed at stage, right? Which is a kid's acting school slash acting camp um, in Greensburg, downtown. We filmed at the palace theater in Greensburg, downtown, which is the first big spelling be seen. Yeah. Um, and that's where I went to see Nutcracker growing up during Christmas time. And even when we were filming a night scene on my street, and there's obviously houses all up and down my street, it was going to be a a very emotional, screamy, loud scene. And I had handwritten notes on the doors of my neighbors neighbors to say, um, hey, we're shooting the scene. If you have any issues, please call my producer. And my producer got a few phone calls. And one of them was, can I be an extra in the movie? And and while we were shooting the scene, it was midnight on a weeknight. A couple of my neighbors came out with lawn chairs and cracked open a beer. And and I just told myself, I was like, this is so Greensburg. And I love every second of it. I want to switch gears for a second because... Um, we didn't, we didn't talk about this last time, but you got to be a part of the last season of Issa Rae's, um, Insecure. And, and I'm so curious about how being a part of that journey kind of shaped your growth as an artist or shaped your growth, even in this process of, of now the accolades and, and the distribution for, for definition, please. I mean, uh, the opera black girl insecure Issa Rae journey has shaped my entire growth and, um, I watched Issa Rae put Awkward Black Girl on her credit cards. So for me, it was no question of whether I was going to put definition please on my credit cards. And so I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it, and it all turned out, you, you have to trust in yourself. You have to invest in yourself because why else would other people invest in you or trust you if you don't do it on your own? And, and by the way, do you have to ex- exude that trust and confidence? I mean, it, it, there's got to be a sort of an external portrayal of that. And if not, then, you know, why else would anybody buy into it? Does there, there have to be some sort of air of confidence when, when you're actually showcasing that? I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like I've always been a pretty confident kid and a pretty confident adult. So perhaps I do exude that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm, I'm pretty confident and I'm all, and whenever, you know, as an actor, you go through so many rejections, you hear the word no all the time and you just, 
uh, get hard into that. And you say, as soon as you hear that, no, you forget about it and you move on to the next opportunity and you just keep going until you hear that one. Yes. And mm-hmm. that yes could be yourself. Right. Right. And, and in, in seeing that through, through Easter Ray was, was that, um, you know, that kind of mentoring or role modeling in some way that, that you really have valued so much. Yeah. And I think even, I, I watched Issa Rae get a lot of opportunities and, you know, there are also opportunities that you don't want to take. So I've said no a lot to people saying, oh, yeah, we want to do this with you or we want you to write this or we want you to direct this. And for me, I'm I'm not in this for financial reasons. If I was in this life for financial reasons, I would have stayed an engineer and stayed a consultant and been, uh, been promoted by now and living in a big house somewhere. But for me, it's about, am I happy? Am I waking up every morning doing what I want to do with my life? Am I, am I staying true to myself? And, and that that's, what's important to me. Yeah. Right now. And, and, it's probably been burbling for so long, but there's such an explosion of content out there, brown content out there. And it, and it seems a little like drinking from the fire hose for, for the you know consumer, let alone the South Asian American consumer. But, but in your eyes, what's kind of the state of, of brown Hollywood in, in 2022? And, and are we addressing the full picture? Do we still have blind spots that, that we're really not like focusing on? I think the blind spots have been is is the fountain that happened over the past couple of years. And and I think it's it's with uh, brown female filmmakers and they've been a huge inspiration for me, starting with um, obviously Marinaire, but then moving on to Minhal Beg, who had Hala at Sundance. We have Geeta Malik, who just came out with India Sweets and Spices. We have Maureen Barusha, who's doing comedies, and her film Golden Arm came out. We have Iram Parveen Bilal, who did I'll Meet You There, and, and Terry Samundra. And so we have these amazing brown female filmmakers that are getting their stories out and also getting their next projects going. So mm-hmm. that's what's exciting. And that's that was the blind spot before where 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 are these kind of specific female stories being told? And now now they are being told. And I'm just excited to follow in their footsteps, to be honest. I imagine that like having that sort of peer network and that peer group is empowering, um, you know, for, for anyone, but um, adds fuel then for the next filmmaker, especially the female film filmmaker to be out. Yeah, I think so. I think the more of us that are out there, the more we can inspire the next generation of writers and storytellers and, and then it's so on and so forth. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with filmmaker Sujata Day. Stay tuned.
I'm Abhay Dandekar, and you're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with filmmaker Sujata Day. I know that there was a Diwali-themed episode recently of And Just Like That, and that particular content left so many with many mixed impressions. Do you think that we're collectively more in charge of our own storytelling, or is there still some, some growth there? That, that needs to happen. So I haven't watched that episode and, and I haven't even, I don't even know the, the conversation around that. So I don't, um, so I can't, I can't speak on that, but I think what's really important and what audiences are seeing is that we need authentic voices. Yeah. So it, it, it doesn't matter who the actor or actress is on screen, it matters who the writers are. It matters who the executives are that are greenlighting these projects and giving notes. It matters who the showrunner is. It matters who the director is. So that is the kind of stuff that Black audiences have called out forever. And we're finally following in their footsteps because they have been really good about telling their authentic stories with their own voices. And now we must do the same. And and do you feel like, especially from your vantage point, that there is more of a licensure to take charge of that? I mean, are there structural things that need to happen to allow more of those writers and producers and, and content sort of owners to take charge of this better? Yeah. And I think we can, we can look at what Issa Rae did with Insecure and how she filled her writer's room. And when she really worked harder to fill her writer's room with the voices that she wanted, she gave Melina who had never um, directed TV before the chance to be the director of Insecure. She gave Prentice Penny who had never been a showrunner before be a first time showrunner on insecure. And you watch someone like Sarita Singleton, who started as a writer's assistant on season one of insecure and is now showrunning rap shit, the next HBO max show. So people just to be given their first chances. And that's something that Hollywood in general is slow to do because they don't want to take risks, even though they should. And and for now, because of this kind of momentum, why is that? Why why is Hollywood so risk averse about telling South Asian American stories? I mean, is there is that is that sort of area breaking? Um, do are we are we kind of getting rid of that uh, that barrier slowly, or or um, you know what's the secret behind that? Perhaps to be honest, they don't feel like there's an audience for us. Mm-hmm. They feel that especially the streamers. They feel that if they have Bollywood stories on there, if they have Hindi language programs on there, that they are representing us, Mm -hmm. which is completely wrong. We need our own stories. The diaspora is completely different from the motherland, which I love. (laughs) We all do. Yeah. But our stories are different. You know, we we grew up in a different culture and. Um, not only do we love our Indian culture, but we also love American shit too. So yeah. 
I think there needs to be a, a, a mental change with these executives and these buyers where they don't seem to really quite grasp that the content they're releasing with Bollywood stars is not something that I personally watch. Is the next step then for filmmakers like you to be in that sort of pole position or leadership position to be able to say, Hey, the demographics are changing. The oh, I say it all the time. I'm I'm in general meetings um, with a lot of these people, and and I let them know. So hopefully, um, if I keep saying it, they'll <laughs> finally listen. <laughs> Was is and and is there a you know is it just simply sort of like beating it beating folks over the head with that and saying it over and over again, or is there a strategy to? Saying it over and over again until it gets to that top person that can actually make changes and make decisions and continuing to focus on my own stories and my work. Yeah. I've been thinking about this concept a lot of zooming in and zooming out. I mean, particularly from an educational standpoint, but but I wonder if it applies here. So, you know, you, you zoom in and your work and your craft presents sort of this platform and a substrate for, you know, substrate for and inspired by and informing the kind of Indian American or South Asian American community and and maybe lots of new brown female artists and directors and filmmakers and creators that are out there. When when you zoom out, and we talked about this just now with this sort of of like wider audience bit, when you zoom out, how do you think your work specifically now is going to resonate for that broader audience, the audience that's totally unfamiliar with this community, but curious and sort of making up their minds about wanting to then consume more content. I'm really excited for audience outside of the South Asian American audience to watch this because they are being fed a constant diet of stereotypes of us and they are being fed. We're all somehow getting arranged marriages. We're all um, have controlling parents. We all are doctors and engineers. And, and my definition please is a completely opposite story of all of that. And, and hopefully they'll watch and they'll find something that they relate to in our characters. And, and that's, what's exciting. Our characters, as opposed to dealing with cultural conflicts, they're dealing with internal conflicts. They're dealing with, um, mental health. They're dealing with, uh, model minority issues. They're dealing with, uh, grief. And so these, uh, more universal issues, I, I feel like, Hopefully they can relate to it. And and I just want to normalize us and I want want to normalize our stories. And that's my goal. When I saw um, Cowboys and Indians, the the word that came and I and I I still remember your poster behind you right now. (laughs) um, When I saw that, the the single word that came to my mind was empowering. And what's your sort of. If you had to, what's your one word description for, for definition, please? Inspiring. I've heard from so many young people, generally via DM, saying that they were inspired to tell their own story after watching Definition, Please. And that's that's the best thing I can hear. Well, it's the best thing for us to see. And... Thank you so much, Sujata, for for joining us again. 
congrats on everything. Um, we love all your work and we hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much. Maybe it'll be a third time next time. Maybe, maybe. And by the way, thank you for uh, any and all LeVar Burton uh, in your movies. So keep that up too. Yeah, yeah, I will. For sure, for sure. And for sure, everyone, check out Definition, Please, which is now available on Netflix. So the iconic Betty White just passed away, but let's please keep her legacy alive and her 100th birthday challenge going by donating to the animal advocacy group of your choice. Our local favorite is the Bay Area's Milo Foundation at milofoundation.org. By the way, I owe all of my superstar language skills to my good friend, Raja, always equally representing Croton on Hudson and Bengal. Till next time, I'm a Bailarnigar. Ruckus Avenue Radio at dashradio.com and download the Dash Radio app for complete access 24 hours a day, seven days a week to our station.